I will hold weekly press conferences. Weekly press conferences. And I'm Drew Stack. And this is The, the Internet's Maximum, Maximum Potential. Potential. Episode 6, half, half of a baker's dozen, uh, minus 0.5. That was our guest, John McCain, <laughs> <laughs> introducing the show. <laughs> um, we were watching a speech of his briefly on YouTube, just a small excerpt where he goes, I will, he, he gets very worked up about this idea of holding weekly press conferences. Weekly press conferences. I will hold Drew. weekly press conferences. Weekly press conferences. Like someone was doubting the fact that he would do it. Uh, it like, also, it's a, such an obscene idea to hold a weekly press he, conference he saw, if like, you're the president. He saw one of the press reporters in the front row look unsure and start to start to raise his finger as if he was about to interrupt him. <laughs> yeah. No. Weekly press conferences. You don't understand. This is a revolutionary idea as a head of state to hold weekly press conferences. In case you couldn't tell, uh, once again, Drew and I are back to our just ourselves. Uh, no guests this week. Um, weren't able to scrap together anyone. Um, my, our apologies. We'll have a guest hopefully next time. Next time, yeah. Well, we could say our guests fell through this week, but it wasn't... Um, they, we could also say that our planning on getting a guest was also not sufficient. Uh, we, we really weren't hunting earlier in the week. I, I'm sorry, Drew. <laughs> I'm saying us as a team. I mean, I could have pulled someone in, too. So it's... <laughs> um, well, updating the show from the past week... Um, I had the big kickball tournament on Saturday. and Real quick, uh, I'm just going to interrupt you just to uh, throw out the um, opening track. I was thinking was, the same uh, Coldplay off their brand new album that came out today called Vida, Viva La Vida um, or Death and All His Friends, which is the full title. And that track was the title track, Viva La Vida, Vida which is uh, also featured in the iPod commercial. Uh, don't be confused with the musical Vida. <laughs> yeah. You don't want to pick that up if you're looking for the new Coldplay album. No, it's uh, pretty excellent from uh, all the listening I've done. It's pretty good. I think it's their best stuff yet. So Excellent. It's their most yeah real stuff, I'd say, yet. So, <laughs> so much of it before was just so phony and fabric. <laughs> no, I just, This is real. This is genuine. I feel like this is the, some of their best songwriting so far. I really do. So Complete songwriting. What do you think... Before I start talking about the kickball tournament, what do you think of Chris Martin as a performer? Um, have you seen any live footage of him? Yeah, I've seen live footage. I've wanted to go to a concert of theirs for a while. It's just never worked out. Um, there's several several occasions where I've tried to go, and it just has been a date of uh, a certain other thing going on in my life or whatever. Um, but I have seen live footage, and um, i got to say, I, I mean, I like some of it, but I mean, it's... Um, you know, never being able to experience it in the flesh. You can watch it on a, a TV, and the certain way it's shot can give you biases the way that the performance went, sure. the audio recording as well, um, as opposed to actually being there in the person and, you know, feeling their stage presence for the entire set of the show. Um, because when I've ever, whenever I've seen Coldplay, Chris Martin does a series of strange arm movements and gestures, um, but if for some reason it seems to work. That it's him doing it. It's like, oh, I, I can genuinely believe that that's how he's moving. That's how, what he does while he's singing. But uh, Lee and I went to a concert on Friday night, and the opening act was from the UK, mm-hmm. um, and he was doing Chris Martin's moves for some of his songs. Just like a weird, like, palm I know, up. I know what you're talking about. Well, you can, see, you can see it, and even in their iTunes commercial, you can see him, like, doing weird things with his arms. Yeah. yeah. But for some reason, I was always, oh, that's how he, how he does it. But when you see somebody else doing those moves and trying to pull them off sincerely, yeah. it was just like, what? What are you, do, what are you yeah. doing? Yeah, Because Lee hasn't seen footage of Chris Martin. She just didn't uh, pick up on you know, the idea of him doing that. Him obviously so, imitating. So like, for her to just see that, the, yeah. <laughs> just cold. Like, it was very <laughs> awkward. Well, it's like him, obviously he's trying to imitate one of... I guess say you could say Britain's rock, top rock performers of now or you could in say the last that. ten years. He's trying to emulate that, obviously, and I'm sure that British people like get the reference or people who've seen Coldplay do. But it's just oh, he's doing the Chris Martin arms. <laughs> I no. love David Ford when he does that. <laughs> so that's just that is kind of funny that someone would try to like emulate that. 
But, um, yeah, no, I, I would look forward to hopefully going to see a show there sometime soon. But they've gotten so huge now that it's probably tough to get tickets. And it's probably in a stadium, so I don't know if it'd be... Yeah, I know their, their newest tour, the closest that it comes is the United Center in, in Chicago. Chicago yeah. And uh, I know they're in Los Angeles, but it's not while I'm there. Have, so. have you been to the United Center before? For a concert or for... For a anything in life. Uh, for a Blackhawks game once, when I was like 12. But that was it. I went to the first ever event at the United Center. Oh, wow. I was at SummerSlam 1994, and that was the premier opening event of the United Center. That was back in, like, the Bulls' heyday. Well, it was right in between uh, the first repeat. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken. Before they won, like, eight champ. It was right in the middle of them winning. No, know. because I think it was right... Yeah, Jordan was playing... Summer of 94, Jordan was playing minor league baseball. So he had retired. Yeah, yeah. Before and so he this came was, back this is the two years that the Rockets dominated. Okay. But, uh, yeah, I, so we went to SummerSlam 94, um, where the premier match was... Uh, there was a, a storyline in the WWF where The Undertaker had... Um, died but he came back but there was a good undertaker and a bad undertaker and they looked exactly the same and being as bright as i was as a kid i decided to make a sign that said go undertaker because <laughs> <laughs> you didn't know whether you should cheer for the good undertaker or the bad well undertaker. no i was cheering for the good undertaker but i didn't clarify that with my po- you know this way either way i can't i come out happy you, you come know. out yeah <laughs> Or, or, if they fight each other, you don't lose. Right. It was Undertaker versus Undertaker. And I, the sign said, go Undertaker. That's too much Undertaker for one pay-per-view. <laughs> and that's why the ratings that year were down. <laughs> um, People were just, this is too much. I can't handle this. But uh, last week we talked about the kickball tournament. We went to the seating show. Unfortunately, um, we just missed getting a first round by. Oh. So we had to play the first round. We dominated, kicked the other team's tail, 14-1. Wow. It wasn't even close, so we were feeling pretty confident. Um, we go into our second match, and the wind picks up violently and is pushing all of the balls in. That's a problem for our team because we kick fly balls out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, essentially... You're a power team. Yes. Yeah. Except for me. And uh, we were screwed, basically. And uh, the team we played against... Had this guy on the team, which is known—he's—he's he's known as the Body, and uh, he's just this narcissist. And he decided that it would be a shame to hide his wonderful body from the world and use a, and, and wear a jersey. So he decided to play the game shirtless. Oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> and uh, I bunt when I—I I, I can't kick the ball very well, so I can run very fast. Yeah. So yeah. I bunt and then I sprint. And man bunting is allowed. Yeah. But uh, after I did that, I guess my, my, my teammate, Steve, the, the body out in left field started flipping out. Just like, oh, I'm going to effing fight that fag after the game. I'm going to punch him in the face. Like, he's going nuts at the idea that I wow. bunted. So he tells me this, and he's like, hey, you better cool it with the body. I mean, you really, you really pissed him off. And... Uh, he wants to fight you, and I'm like, you know what? I'm uh, I'm just gonna keep antagonizing him. <laughs> and so for the rest of the game, I, when he comes, I'm the pitcher. So when he comes to bat, I'm like, everybody move up. He's gonna bunt. <laughs> Next time I get up to bat, I do the Babe Ruth Ruth pointing. Yeah. And I point directly to him, and then proceed to, to bunt. bunt. <laughs> and then uh, we're losing four nothing, and. Um, I decide, we've got one out, so the last time that we're playing defense, I decide that the best course of action, what's been holding us back all day, is that I've been wearing my jersey. <laughs> so I remove my shirt to point out how stupid a gimmick that is. <laughs> and uh, then we tried to get a rally going. Yeah. So we instead of turning our caps around, <laughs> everyone took off their shirts. Uh, Smalls took off a shirt. Havermill took off a shirt. I, I can't remember who else did. Didn't work. We lost. But I did continue to piss off a guy, which makes me How irate really was happy. he at the end of the game? Well, he, like, you know, he was fuming when, like, we had to do the high-five tunnel. 
and uh, somebody took a picture of me with my shirt off and put it up on the internet's the, yeah. the, the league's website yeah. and called me the body 2.0 <laughs> because that's what I started calling myself at the end and uh, he points on there he's like I thought 2.0 was supposed to be better uh, it, that's more like the body's gay little brother <laughs> And I'm like, well, why would you even acknowledge that I'm in your family? <laughs> I, I, I guess we I got get, blood. You've now, you've now he clearly that. sees that I'm sort of similar to him. I guess. Or that, yeah, you are the body. He acknowledges that you are the body 2.0, but you are not better, I guess. But here's how creepy a person I am, Drew. Okay. Um, every week I write an article summarizing the game. It's a funny, sort of an onion piece mm-hmm. about our team. Um, I decide to look into the body. I find out his real name. And then I proceed to do some Google searches and find out that he was a college wrestler. <laughs> and I find the name of opponents that beat him. <laughs> so I, I write in the article that, uh, you know, clearly he's put all this frustration from losing to, you know, Joe Smith from UW Lacrosse. And uh, just listing all these oh, wrestlers no. that he lost to. And that, uh... Our team will be investing, like trying to sign those guys from the <laughs> so the to further to further wreck his psyche, to further <laughs> frustrate the body. Wow, that sounds that sounds good times. Wow. So we lost. He sounds we... he sounds like one of my ex roommates. Actually, he kind of does. Uh, just kind of, oh, just like a total kind of bro who's just like, like he doesn't get like when you're kidding or like can't laugh at himself at all. Right. Like has no humor about himself at like, all. Like he was wearing his shirt and showing off his abdomen and arms sincerely. Like he wanted he even though he has a girlfriend, he wants the ladies to love his body. Yeah, that's pretty much the way Mike's roommate was. He was just <laughs> had no humor about himself at all and thought he was like the coolest guy ever. <laughs> Just the idea of someone wanting to fight me for bunting in kickball. It's like, well, if he's going to fight me, I'm going to give him a reason to. Yeah. And then I'll sue him for assault. <laughs> How was your week, Drew? Uh, it was really good. Um, my 90-year-old grandfather was in town, so um, a lot of golf. Um, that's pretty much it. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was exciting to watch the U.S. Open. On, te- on the television. Did you watch the uh, follow-up round on Monday? The yeah, the dead? playoff. Yeah, it was pretty intense. Well, knowing that course, you know, from playing there. Oh, it's from, in San Diego. I'm from San Diego, and it's right near where I used to live. And it actually used to be $8, you know, to go play around if you lived in the city of San Diego. Oh, wow. It's a municipal course. It's not a uh, private country club or, yeah. um, you know, a private course. It's a municipal course owned by the city. And uh, it used to be only, like, $8 to go play around at Torrey Pines, and it was this great course. And then recently, about like five or six years ago, some guy was like, we could make a lot of money for the city off this, like, if we, like, build up the clubhouse. Like, they just recently redid. So they, they improved the amenities, but at the same time... How much does it cost now? For resident, it's about $75 and for a, uh, a round and for, like, a someone from outside the area, it's about $225. But, you know, that still isn't too bad for no, a prominent no. course for like that. For a prominent course like that, you know, it's very comparable to, I'd say... Um, Whistling Straits, just north of here, up in Kohler, Wisconsin, where uh, several you know PGA level courses are that, and Blackwood Front are about that, you know, for for a private course. So, um, and if you live in the city, I mean, it's a great deal to go play some great golf. So I met your grandfather just before we yeah, recorded yeah, yeah. this podcast, um, and we were we were chatting about how I used to be, um, I used to be employed by the Milwaukee Bucks. Something we've referenced on the podcast. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if they if they fully understand. I used to work for the Milwaukee Bucks, <laughs> um, but uh, we were talking with him, and he was he brought up the idea of promotions and marketing. <laughs> And uh, would you care to tell him? <laughs> um, my grandfather was trying to throw out ideas to Rick, you know, to maybe, you know, help his, Im- improve his stature amongst the, uh, the Bucks. Maybe get him promoted or something like maybe, that. Maybe bring some ideas back to them so that they would rehire he's all about He's all about being ingenuitive. That's, all, that's my, always been my grandfather's thing. He tells the story to us about how uh, in the Army, when he was in the Army Air Corps, he never slept in the barracks. He slept in the hangar. He had his own little cot in the hangar and just slept in the hangar at night. Like, he always he always puts himself above the system, wherever or whatever he's doing. Or excludes himself. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He, he always tries to make himself a special case. Um, Instead of sleeping in the barracks, I went AWOL. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Or uh, he likes to tell the story of how he almost got court-martialed, but since he was on the bowling team and was one of the top bowlers, 
the uh, he was on the general's bowling team. The general like like gave him a pass and like didn't court martial. <laughs> why, why was he almost court martial? Just because he does crazy stuff apparently, or like he well because he shot a kid. Because <laughs> he shot a kid. No, because no, because he does stuff like sleep in the barracks as opposed to like or sleep at, sleep in the hangar as opposed yeah. to you know you know sleeping in the barracks like everyone else and like following the rules. He blatantly disregards the rules just to put himself above the system, and then somehow finds a loophole out of it. Um, so anyway, he's throwing out ideas to Rick, and uh, apparently, so he's trying to give Rick some ingenuitive ideas to maybe, you know, go above the system. And one of the ideas he comes up with is that they should have naked women at the games, and that should be an attraction. So like, so as opposed to come see the Bucks, you know, and get a, like a get like a Bucks basketball for the first ten thousand fans, come see the naked women. <laughs> Here's what they would have to do for that game. Um, obviously, you can't broadcast that on the uh, FSN deal that they have. No. So you market that out to either Spice or the Playboy Channel. Get that. It's you know 18 up at the door. Uh, no kids allowed. And uh, you just have them on the sidelines throughout the entire game. We've expanded. Yeah, we've expanded this idea. So maybe it's the dance team. You get the airport lounge to pay for all the commercial like so there's no commercial breaks airport lounge they, they invest millions yeah 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 <laughs> so there's no commercial breaks so that the viewer at home on spice and play or playboy they're obviously pretty i mean it's the top strip club in milwaukee they get obviously. to watch the routines in between because there's always a dance routine yeah, yeah, in between yeah. the timeouts and everything so uh yeah that is how you do it i'm gonna have to talk with um john steinmiller this dancing week. <laughs> choreographed dancing naked women Apparently is how you do it, you know, and we could do it. Maybe. I'll call the senator. I'll call. I'll put him on a conference call. There you go. So that is that's a good idea. We will have a weekly press conference. Um, <laughs> a press conference. Press press conference. No. So anyway, uh, that was an idea. Yeah, that was pretty humorous. But that's that's my grandfather in a nutshell. He's a very funny man. And uh, even funnier old man. He's 91, 90 years old. 90 said. years old. And he's, he flew here. He flew here across the country. He has very bad hearing, very limited sight, and a little bit of dementia. But, you know, flew across the country, made a stop in Kansas City, and then oh, wow. he had we had people pick him up, you know, at the gate and sit with him <laughs> during his layaway and get him to his other gate. But at the same time, he flew across the country. He made it here. So... Um, you were telling me earlier that uh, he um, he was thinking about his driver's license. His license, driver's license is about, like most old people, he faces the challenge of having his driver's license expire. So what is he, since he is probably not going to pass the, um, since they don't have them take the driver's test again, they take a sight and a um, hearing test and sort of stuff like that. Uh, to accumulate, you know, where their senses are at and whether they can drive or not, how much they've deteriorated. So he's figured that he's not going to pass that test, which is a pretty safe assumption. So instead of going to take that test and be denied, he's decided just to drive with an expired license until he gets pulled over, possibly. And he's, he's figured that it's better to get pulled over with an expired license than it is with no license, which is actually <laughs> pretty ingenuitive in the sense that he is really above the system. He's, he's above the system because the guy would just be like, at his age, you know, he couldn't see those little numbers on the ID. That's pretty obvious. And if, you know, he's, he obviously can't pass the test, he wouldn't see those numbers on the ID to know when it was time to renew his license, you know. And maybe somebody in his family just forgot about, you know, him renewing his license. So for, I mean, it's pretty believable within about a year or two, I guess, of the, it expiring. But within like <laughs> five or six years of the if license If he lives to like 110... He's still driving. <laughs> gets pulled over. And I've driven with him. He actually drives pretty well. Compared to everything else that he does, he, he drives pretty well. He drives... I, I, I compare it to driving with the Force. He just kind of drives by feel of, like, <laughs> where things are around him. I don't know how he does it, but it's pretty incredible. For someone who's not able to, like, see the score on the ball game on the big TV in front of him, but yet be able to, you know, drive, operate a motor vehicle safely... <laughs> For a, he hasn't been in a car accident or a speeding ticket for the last you know ten fifteen years, that's pretty incredible. Um, my uh, my grandma she doesn't drive, so what she does what she did for a while was um, a fellow person that lives her in her residence her you know independent living apartments. Um, she was giving her rides, and this Florence was essentially the worst driver in the world. <laughs> We're like every time that 
my grandma went out with Florence. You you literally like worried that she wouldn't make it home. <laughs> and uh, I guess one time um, they were pulling. They pulled out. She Florence pulled out right in front of a police officer. <laughs> police officer flips his lights. She doesn't notice him. Oh so no! She he's following her. And she proceeds to like do all these illegal things, like just swerving in <laughs> just and out. Just hacking up legal, like yeah, exactly. like he's just sitting there, like checking them off, like all right, there's another one. <laughs> My grandma's finally like, well, uh, you know, there's been a police car behind us. Oh, I know, but that's probably for somebody else. <laughs> so finally. It pulls over and the cop's like, you did all these things wrong right in front of me. <laughs> and so he sent her to like get her like, you know, license reevaluated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's tried like four or five times. And not passed. Uh, which is better for the safety of everyone. Of everyone involved. Pewaukee, Pewaukee, and that's driver, what I'm worried about. I'm not worried about, I'm not worried about him driving because honestly, he obviously does that fine. But it's the other drivers on the road. But I guess, you know, at this point, like if I was his age, I would probably not let myself, you know, drive. With an expired license or without the uh, like ability to drive, if I couldn't drive safely, I think just because just because you know it would mean sure and probably sudden and painful death. But the important thing to remember with your grandpa is that he is above driving. He's above. <laughs> he, once again, he's above the system. If he goes down and dies, he'll find some loophole to come back to life, or he'll go down in a blaze of glory. You know he. You know, he's choosing his demise, I guess. That's and, the way he wants it to be. And if he wants if he wants nobody else to tell him how he's going to die or say that, you know, whatever. I don't know. I don't know what he's thinking, but, you know, if that's the way he goes out, he wanted it, he wanted it that way, I guess. <laughs> In an eight-car pileup. Yeah. Uh, have you seen any films recently? I did. This last weekend I went to go see The Incredible Hulk, which is... The film that's supposed to make uh, everyone forget about the 2004 film directed by <laughs> Ang Lee and starring Eric Bana, which apparently wasn't that bad of a movie, just was very... Um, it, 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 it premises into what I'm going to talk about with The Incredible Hulk as to why it was only okay. Um, but he, I, apparently he tried to do way too much with The Hulk instead of just having it be an action movie. He tried to make it like a character story. I haven't seen it, have you? I have not, but this is, this is, this is what I read about yeah. the Hulk, the Ang Lee one, is that that's what made it bad, and uh, I, I saw the trailer, and I really had no interest in going to see that one, but I saw the trailer to this one, which is supposed to be more based off of the uh, TV series, the 70s TV series of The Incredible Hulk, than um, the original, the 2004 film was. Sure. So, and Edward Norton was playing the Hulk, so that kind of interested me. And, um, Even though the, the fact that Edward Norton has, like, disowned this movie. Like, yeah. he isn't going on any of the publicity for it. He essentially, like, is, like, cutting himself off from the film. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's, he's, he's probably pretty good if, <laughs> if Edward Norton's that proud of it. Well, and even though he's not proud of it, you know, he's still a good actor, and I still enjoy seeing an Edward Norton film, so I figured I'd go check it out, which is just pretty funny that he, he has distanced himself from the entire process, but you know why he did it is probably, it's the same reason, you know, that Johnny Depp did Pirates, and Robert Downey Jr. did Iron Man, is, it's for that. He wanted to make money. <laughs> they want to make, they want to make that one film that makes them enough money where they don't have to, you know, choose like they can choose whatever film they want to make after that you sure know, they can make that one movie and not have to make any other movie again that they don't want to make i guess so which is pretty i mean it's a smart way to live your life you can yeah. say that and then just go off and typically most of those films won't really hurt you you know you'll they're they're pretty okay you know spider-man had some good artistic elements to it and that's why you know it wasn't like career suicide for toby mcguire to go do it and similar with iron man and whatever but, um... Did you enjoy the Hulk? I enjoyed the... Not the Hulk, but the, the Incredible, Incredible Hulk. Hulk. There must be... I was trying to trip you up there. <laughs> the, the... I enjoyed the Incredible Hulk. It was good for what a Hulk movie should be, I guess. But at the same time, here's the problem. The Hulk is just not that great of a character. He's, and now you're, you're referring to the Incredible Hulk. The Incredible... <laughs> yeah, I'm just referring to the Hulk as a character. Okay. And it's just not, he's just not that interesting. He's a guy, as a, you know, as a superhero, he just doesn't have that interesting amount of elements. They messed up a medical experiment. He ended up turning into, you know, this thing. Whenever his, you know, um, pulse rate or whatever gets over 200, he becomes this incredible Hulk. So, I don't know. He's just quite a premise. <laughs> as opposed, it, it just doesn't have the same implications as, you know, it's like, 
I just shouldn't get angry. So he, he goes a bunch of days learning how to breathe and, you know, calm himself down. <laughs> he takes a Lamaze class. <laughs> yeah, he did, pretty much. He takes, like, a Lamaze class in Brazil where they oh. teach him not how to breathe. Like <laughs> He learns Brazilian Lamaze. <laughs> yeah, well, no. And it's just like, I wish it would have been more of him, um, you know, the first half of the film is him, you know, running from the government, which is pretty much what the entire TV series was, was, you know, him living this lonely life away from the government. But then they bring in this love story, and he, he doesn't have to be lonely, which is just, that's what made the TV series interesting, was that he was just such a lonely man. And it, was, it was more of a tragedy where he was just doomed to have this tragic life, which I think would have been a very interesting take yeah. on the superhero genre, you know, seeing as, like, Peter Parker finally ended up with, you know, Mary Jane, and then... Spoiler. <laughs> you know, and then, you know, Batman, you know, that's what makes, I think, The Dark Knight really interesting, is he didn't end up with her in the end, and, you know, there obviously is a disconnect. The characters, the way they've set them up, you know, really can't be together. We'll find out in the next one what happens, but... Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, it would have been much more interesting if it was just a tragedy of, you know, just this man's tragic life. <laughs> it would have been more interesting if it was made by Ang Lee. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. If, I, I never saw The Hulk. Maybe yeah. that's what The Hulk was. was. It sounds like what you're asking for is what Ang, the movie that Ang Lee made. The Ang Lee made. Which I haven't seen. But, but instead of Eric Bana put, you know... Here's uh, what Edward Norton digitally cut into that Edward film. Norton cut into that film. Because <laughs> I think he played that character very well. This character that, you know, had to remove himself from society because he was a, you know, a threat. Well, what they should do now, a few years down the line, remake the Hulk. Bring back Ang Lee. <laughs> and, and Edward, Edward Norton, Norton. And do it right. For yeah. the third time. Just third time's the charm. Settle it. Settle it. But I, I don't feel like they got it right with this one either. The box office obviously shows that, and so did... It, although it got a 66% on Rotten Tomatoes, which, you know, isn't bad. It's a fresh rating. Um, <laughs> as opposed to The Happening, which is being critically panned. Oh, man. I did really you see The Happening? No, but I need to. I need to see it as well. But I've heard it has horrible... From what I've read, it has horrible dialogue. It's... You know, yeah, it I goes somewhere. Want, I don't want to talk weird. about it until we. I see it. Like it's. it's, it's we'll it's, save it's that a, for next week. Yeah. We'll save that for next it's week. We'll go see classic. it this week, and we'll uh, we'll talk about it did, on the next podcast. Did you happen to watch the Tonys on Sunday night? I take from your face, you did not. <laughs> the, the Tonys were Sunday night. <laughs> the Tonys were on Sunday night. Uh, this is the first time that I've watched the Tonys um, because <laughs> what's going on with your phone there, buddy? Oh, I got a, a text message. Oh, okay. Uh, Basically, with Lee and I going to New York in just a few weeks, um, we were really excited about the Tonys because they did a number from Xanadu, which is the which show is that we're going seeing. To see, so we're going to check that and out. then yeah. uh, the play that we're seeing, Boeing Boeing, um, won the best revival of a play, which oh, okay. is the best award it could get, and also won best actor, best lead actor. Who was? So, I forget who the guy's name. Is. Oh, so he's not—he's not one of like the famous people in it. No, it's not Bradley Whitford. It's some okay. other guy. In All right. It. And, uh, but there was, there were two shows, one of them which ended up winning the best musical called In the Heights. Are you familiar with this? Um, no, I've, I've kind of checked out of Broadway in recent years, uh, in lieu of trying to get more into film and, and trying to do, well, I, I grew up doing a lot of musicals and musical theater and, and that's where a lot of my stage roots are, I'd say. And so, um, yeah, I used to watch the Tonys regularly and, and be very into Broadway musicals, but I've kind of gone away with it. Uh, recently, just to um, get more into my <clears throat> filmmaking. But. In the Heights is like the critical darling right now of Broadway. Okay, and, uh, so like uh, Spring Awakening. Yeah, was exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, and basically, the uh, the lead actor, the guy who wrote the wrote the show, wrote the music, is also the star of the show. Oh, okay. And um, he's Puerto Rican, and basically, instead of singing, everything he does goes a little something like this. Lord, you know, I'm Puerto Rican, and I ain't like a mouse because I'm not squeaking. And everything I say, I think I'm being clever. And that's just part of this musical endeavor. And it is just like... So it's like a rap musical? But it's not very clever rap. It's just sort of him talking. I'm going to go down the street and let my feet do the walking. <laughs> like, everything he's saying, I could come up with on the spot. Like, it's you not... You just did. I, exactly. I did not... You can vouch for me. Not, I did not, not have that written no, that's down. No, that's the way that Rick, you know, we do improv, <laughs> improv shows together. And that's the way that, like, we, we rap, you know? Like, we'll do... Like, there's certain improv games where you do raps. 
and that would be Rick rapping during an improv game. He could do that. Yeah. And, but, but this man sat down and physically wrote this as and material. And won two Tony Awards as a result. Because this is why no one watches the Tonys anymore. Like, honestly, like, I don't want to bring... I, I don't know. I just I don't see wh- what's so special about him doing that. Like, I don't know. But uh, then the other show that was nominated was this thing called Passing Strange. Which was about, how many numbers were, was it? Just that one number from there. They just showed that one number. But here's the here's here's what made me. So you weren't so so you don't want to encompass the show in the entire number. But this is what. Here's what makes me believe that it's the entire show. When he won, uh, an Academy Award, I think for either I think it's best score that yeah, he yeah. won. He gets up there, and here's what he does. I'd like to thank my homeboys here in New York. Everybody's gonna be with champagne, popping a cork. And this goes out to my best man, Jay. I wouldn't be here without him today. <laughs> it sounds like Diablo Cody's speech at the Academy, at, he, the, at the Oscars. It's like, you know, you're not very good at what you're doing, despite what these Broadway people, people, what these people are saying. At least Diablo Cody wrote a, a good script with great characters. Ah, uh, that's debatable. <laughs> I'm not too crazy on Diablo Cody. Basically, the first 15 minutes of that movie... Uh, Void are you your, 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 your least favorite? What's that? Are your least favorite the 50, first fifteen minutes of the film? Yeah. That, oh all, God. That's the, that kind those of are those are fifteen of the worst minutes of the film. Of film. Like is like Rain Wilson's appearance. Oh, it's just awful. But it the good, picks the good up steam part about later it. on. You get a good performance good by Allison Janney and uh, J.K. Simmons. Go ahead. Oh, uh, I was just gonna say the good part about having uh, Rain Wilson in that part of the film is that he will be in the next Jason Reitman film as. Um, a ninja that's fallen out of shape and needs to get back into becoming a ninja again called Bonsai Shadowhands. How is, how is, how is him being in the first 15 minutes good? <laughs> like, I think he could still make this movie with Jason Reitman. Well, if that, he means, was, that means he was introduced to Jason Reitman or whatever. I, I don't, don't know. know. I don't know I don't what know. it means. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, I would agree going. with that, that it, just the way they spoke in the first 15 minutes, I was like, I don't know if I like this. Yeah, uh, I don't know. This I, makes I've completely turned on Ellen Page. Uh, like after I saw Smart People, when I was like, "Oh, yeah. she only knows how to act one way." Yeah. <laughs> well, it was like she's the thinking girl's act. Although, you saw the other film, the other films that they were talking about. I saw American, and you see Hard Candy. She's the same way, same way a little yeah. bit tougher, but the same way. And uh, American Crime. Um, not so much, but uh, she was just being abused for most of that film, so she didn't get to do much talking. <laughs> so she was just kind of this pretty face that was abused. I can kind of see that. <laughs> I don't know, but it, it, they're so quick to hail everyone these days, like yeah. young stars. Like I don't feel like it used to be that way, did it? You know, where it was like, they're the next such and such. I don't know. I mean, I mean Macaulay with, Culkin, a lot of people love, but I think they might have thought more in terms of a kid actor. Like, he was just a kid actor. He was just the next yeah. kid actor. Like, Shia LaBeouf is the next Tom Hanks. Even though he has no similarities to Tom Hanks. Has he won two back-to-back Academy Awards? No! Has he given performances that would even warrant that kind of hailing? Like, no! He was pretty he's similar. He's, 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 <laughs> he's pretty similar to Tom Hanks in the fact that he's doing really shitty movies early in his career. Or, like, really, like, chintzy, you know, whatever movies. Like, Splash and Big. You know, movies that... I Don't think, call Big chintzy. Movies that people enjoy. I, I'm not going to doubt that people enjoy Transformers, Indiana Jones, Disturbia, Holes. I mean, people enjoy those films. Battle of Shaker Heights. <laughs> the Battle of Shaker. I don't. I don't know if people enjoy that film. <laughs> but they, they're enjoyable films. But at the same time, are they you know Academy Award warranting performances? Are they you know some of the greatest performances that someone has given on film? No. Which you could say you know his performance in Fidel. Philadelphia was extremely moving, and then his performance the next year in Forrest Gump was, you know, a totally different side that was also extremely good. Um, so the, the other show that was nominated, one that they did a number from, was called Passing Strange, and uh, it takes place in Amsterdam as the guy who wrote it, it it's basically his story of his life, apparently. Okay. And uh, so what it is, is like there's a band playing, and there's a scene with like an actress, actor and an actress, and she gives him his key, and the guy's singing about how he got his key. And you think that, oh, that must be the lead actor. 
No, no. The bass player from the band, who's the one who wrote the show, <laughs> suddenly like emerges. It's like, yeah, damn right. She gave him his. She gave me that key. And then he's like, vamping around the stage, and he he's this big fat guy. So he does like this Tyrannosaurus Rex walk. She gave me the keys in Amsterdam, and it was just amazing, like how awful it was. And of course, he wins best book, or yeah, best book. For great lines such as, like, just that, that premise alone, I did not agree with. I think it's a really funny opening premise, though, like, setting up an entire scene, and the guy sitting at the table behind them is the main character in the story, <laughs> not the two characters having the conversation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Tonys. But Xanadu looks great. Oh, man. Can't wait. It, just, um, it looks really You're glad that neither the, the shows you Oh, man, it's like, that you're going <laughs> we, to see we picked the right show. You're, yeah, you didn't pick the shows that are absolutely terrible, but I will have to check out that uh, Puerto Rican man. He sounds quite interesting. It's probably on YouTube. You can, if you look on YouTube, um, there are several clips from In the Heights that they did on like Regis and Kelly and stuff okay. like that, and uh, you'll get to see the amazing oh Rickatchee-esque rapping. <laughs> wow. Just picture me as Puerto Rican, man. And, <laughs> maybe, and we'll have, maybe we'll have to do a parody video of In the Heights. Maybe that's our summer film. Maybe that <laughs> is. Maybe that's our summer, In the Heights parody film. Oh, gosh. We Call finally it like in the cheese or something. We finally have a proper word for the lake house. Your brother, God bless his soul, called it the pavilion. The lake pavilion is what I guess you could formally refer to it as since it's on a lake and it's a pavilion. I to distinguish it from other pavilions. I feel a lot of closure knowing what to call it because the lake house was always it was. It a, implies that there's a bathroom and perhaps a bedroom, you know, in here as well. Yeah, which is not the truth. And a mailbox. <laughs> That it's a physical standalone, you know, location of shelter. Not the case. Not the case. It's it's a large pavilion. It's a pavilion. Now, um, did you did you purchase your tickets for Batman Begins? The I did. IMAX? Okay. Well, here's the deal. The uh, I've been going on IMAX, the Navy Pier IMAX website, which is the one where I was going to go see the film. Um, and they'd been saying, oh, showtime's coming soon, or tickets available soon for The Dark Knight. And I kept looking, and, um, you know, every day or so, or every couple of days. And, of course, they came out um, yesterday, or two days ago. And that's the one day I didn't check, like, consecutively. I checked the day before that, and then the day after that. And then I check, and I'm like, oh, great, they're online. Let me go see if I can get yeah. my tickets. And I go to the midnight showing. And it's already sold out. Apparently all the nerds got in there really quick and bought all the tickets to the midnight show. Oh, no. But there's a 3 a.m. show. <laughs> so I'm going to the 3 a.m. They're doing a 3 a.m. show? They're wow. doing a 3 a.m. showing and a 6 a.m. showing. So That's unheard of. I've never, I've never well, heard of Well, since it. it's one theater and they figure there's probably a demand for it, you know, I can see a demand for the midnight showing and a 6 a.m. showing. Because the 6 a.m. showing, you can say, if you're already going to have the staff there from 6 a, or for the 3 a.m. showing... You might as well keep keep them there, you know, and have them work a full night night shift or eight hour shift yeah. or whatever, from you know eleven till seven, or or when after. I that. understand. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So they probably figured it was there, and people will you know wake up really early at like five or five or five thirty or whatever to go to the you know six o'clock showing or stay up late to go to the midnight showing. The three a.m. showing is kind of in between. Yeah. So I've got pretty decent tickets since they're assigned seating uh, to the three a.m. showing of the Dark Knight on Navy Pier in Chicago. Here's the really cool thing. The night before, the Wednesday night, the premiere's on a, or the, the night, the, it's technically Friday morning, but Thursday evening uh, is when I'm going to see it. Sure. 3 a.m. The night before, they're having a gala and uh, the premiere of the film in Chicago at that IMAX, oh, oh. honoring Christopher Nolan with him and several of the stars of the movie there. Yeah. Um, obviously, one of them can't make it because he's dead. Uh, oh. But Christian Bale died? Oh my god. But, um, no, the, several of the stars in the movie, and uh, it's just going to be this big gala event and fireworks and all sorts of stuff like that. It's this big night honoring Christopher Nolan. And so I go online to see if I can maybe find tickets for that midnight showing and pay a little extra to go to the midnight showing, just because I thought it would be really fun to go to the midnight showing. I mean, I guess I can wait three hours after the film is technically wide released in the United yeah. States to go see it in IMAX in Chicago, but um, in the theater where the filmmaker saw it the night before. Um, who's just a, I love all everything he does. You might be sitting in the same seat. That's what I'm hoping, is that I'm in the same seat. But uh, maybe he'll sneak in the next night to come watch it at 3 a.m. with the crazies. 
I don't know. I'm also hoping there's. <laughs> he crowd. wants to see how the how the film works with that three a.m. three a crowd. He wants to see. It's a very interesting dem- demographic that hasn't been tapped into it yet. So he's <laughs> very going to start releasing films at three a.m. across the country from now on. I think so. I think it's going to be since it's the it's, thing is. It, the thing is, it's only one theater, so that's why they're doing the 3 a.m. showing. So they figure, you know, if there's that much of a demand for the midnight showing, they might as well put it out there at 3 a.m. as yeah. well for those people who want to come see it that that evening or morning. Um, but yeah, so that's just a really cool thing about that, and I'm pretty excited to go do that. And yeah, so if you would like to come, just uh, when when is that? That's uh, the 17th of July. Okay, so we'll we'll see where I'm at in life at that point. And if you can get tickets. <laughs> Oh, and I went online to see if I could find tickets for that midnight showing. This is where that goes. And found um, tickets to that gala on eBay. How much were they? For two tickets, it was $1,045. So you got two tickets for <laughs> I was contemplating it for a long time. The, the bid was up in like an hour, though. So I was sitting there for like 30 minutes, like watching it, you know, sit there at 1045 Oh, my God. Like, if I bid on it. But I'm sure there was somebody out there with more money and more resources who wanted it more than I did. So... I mean, you have to figure, the film's coming out the next day. As, as cool as it would be to go to a movie premiere, I don't know. That seems for thirty bucks. For, they're going 30 bucks to the IMAX the next day, you know. <laughs> You're like, you know, I would have bought it, but I already committed $30 <laughs> for no, the next well, day. Well, I hadn't committed the money for that one yet, so I was <laughs> still sitting there waiting on that. Because I looked at that, and then I was like, and then I was like well, I'm going to go see if I can find those tickets first. Yeah. And uh, so I went to go see if I could find them, and... Yeah, so there was that, and I considered it heavily for a while, but I was like, eh, you know, maybe if the second one's awesome, then I'll go do that for the third one, so, um, which there probably will be, considering this film will probably be pretty successful, due to the hype and everything else, so. Are you uh, excited about any other films that are coming out soon? Um, this week, you got Get Smart and The Love Guru coming out this Friday. Yeah. So Love it's, Guru looks painfully bad. It looks like the fourth Austin Powers movie. It looks uh, like him, the, the, him and Jay Roach wrote a script for the fourth Austin Powers movie. Did Jay Roach direct this? Um, I don't know if Jay Roach directed this, but if they did, they directed it in the exact same style as Jay Roach. But what happened to Mike Myers? I don't know. He like, he fell out. I although he did do that Wayne's World thing at the MTV Movie Awards. So I was hoping that's what he should go back and do. Him and Dana Carvey should re- reunite and do a Wayne's World three, but like Wayne and Garth ten years down the road, like in the year two thousand eight. Like what are they doing now? Or like ten or fourteen years down the road. Like that would be like kind of like Clerks two, where it's like where are the clerks far removed from the yeah. situation that they used to be in. I don't know, it just seems like Mike My- like the first Austin Powers is a really funny movie. And then after that, like, what's happened to him? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know. I think he might need to have like a serious he, It's role like he did one something. Of- he needs to go into drama. Well he's like, doing he's doing a film where he plays uh, the drummer of the Who. Uh, what's his name? Keith Moon. Keith Moon, yeah, he does he's doing a movie where he does a biopic on Keith Moon. So you know, it's it maybe maybe that's the best course of action for him right now to pull a Jim Carrey. Yeah, I just I don't know. Like he's just been really, really unfunny, and I, I don't know. I, I thought that the first, second and third Austin Powers films just weren't very good. No, well, they were just the same. It's jokes the same over bit. It's the same again. bit, and, and America kept laughing. That's the problem with like when he gets a character. He like that's the biggest problem with him and characters. He thinks that people just love seeing the same shtick over yeah, and yeah, over yeah. and over. Or like Love Guru, it looks like oh he's just gonna be doing the same joke throughout. Well, the that's what I liked film. about Wayne's World too. Is Wayne's World two is different jokes in the first one. Yeah, I mean it, Wayne's World and Wayne's World two are fun movies. Are both good movies. Yeah. Whereas I feel I agree with that assessment that I loved the Austin Powers movies when I was a kid because I didn't know what was really funny and what was not, and I'd laugh at the same jokes over and over again, because you don't really have that concept of the rule of thirds, or like, or like what's funny exactly, you know? And then once you grow up and you watch it again, you go, this just isn't as funny as I remember it being. And uh, so, that's, I feel like that's like the route he's gone. I feel like this is just more of the same jokes. Even in the trailer, I've seen a joke from the Austin Powers movie. <laughs> You know, like another, like them just repeating the same joke. And he brought back Mini-Me, you know, to be in the movie. Yeah. But, I mean, and I, I agree with that, you know, bringing back a character from his repertoire or whatever is kind of fun. But at the same time, you know, take it a different direction, I guess. With Get Smart, my gut is telling me it's not going to be a big hit. 
I think, like, everyone's like, oh, I love Steve Carell. For some reason, I just, my gut tells me this isn't going to be big. Critically or... Uh, Financially. Box, box Finan- office. I think it has the potential to be a flop. Not, maybe not a flop, but underpor- underperform you, the expectations. You underestimate what The Office has grown in, the American Office has grown into as a series in terms of its demographic that it's now reached, which is that former Titanic demographic of teenage girls, teenage and, you know, college-age women. But they're not watching it for Steve Carell. That's the thing. They aren't, but they, they think he's fun. I think he's fun. I'm going to go know. watch it. No, I, from what I've heard, like, my little sister and her friends are going to see Get Smart because it's got Anne Hathaway, the girl from The Princess Diaries in it, and like, she's 13 it, years old. It looks funny, but I just, my gut is telling me. My, my box office gut is telling me that it's not going to do all that well. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the other side on this, and I'm going to say that I think it's going to... I don't know if it's going to do Iron Man good, <laughs> which is the new standard in the box office, I guess. Like, I don't know if it's going to be anywhere as big as, say, uh, Titanic. <laughs> but I, I think it'll be pretty big. I think it'll get over $100 million. Not in the first weekend. I think, <laughs> I think overall it'll, it'll make... It'll be up there with forty-year-old version in terms of how okay. much it brings in. Okay, we'll. S- Which you know it probably spent way more on its budget and we'll everything like that. We'll see how this goes. It's it's J it's what's his name Seagal directing too, so. I say it makes. Uh, Peter Seagal, who directed Tommy Boy and several Adam Sandler films. I say it makes fifty-five million total. I don't know. With the amount of promotion that's been put on there. And I, I think, I don't know how much their budget was. And then combined with the marketing budget, I think that'll be significantly under what they're expecting. Well, so people love, see, the difference between, I'd say, Get Smart and Bewitched, or, you know, now the um, I Dream of Genie that was just green-lighted, um, the, the film version of I Dream of Genie, uh, it was actually a loved TV series, and it was actually a good television series. As opposed to... Especially the remake in the 90s with uh, Andy Dick. Andy Dick, yeah, no. no. <laughs> Which is now on DVD, thank God. Thank, if anything, out of the film release, thank God that the Andy Dick reboot is, is now available. They're trying to cash in right now, you know, while they can. But, no, I, the, it was actually a well-done television series for the time. Sure. Unlike those other two, which were just kind of vehicles that were like gimmicky concepts for sitcoms. Yeah. So that that's why I think it, it has a, a place with, you know, maybe that older demographic as well, who's like, well, I kind of know about this Corel guy. That's the chick from that movie that my daughter likes. Havoc. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So, Have you seen Havoc? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I, I know... And they roll the dice. Oh, boy. <laughs> anyway, it's Anne Hathaway at her best. You know, if you want to see a different side of Annie Hathaway than The Princess Diaries, Annie Hathaway, you should definitely check out Havoc. If you want to see Anne Hathaway in, in the a buff. situation <laughs> where Mexican gang members might have intercourse with her, see Havoc. It's something, you know, a Princess Bride, <laughs> Princess Diaries, Princess Diaries 2, and then Havoc. You really appreciate you gotta the, have the triple feature. You really right appreciate there. the turnaround. You really do. Um, she's, you know, this generation's, uh, uh, Catherine Hepburn. Anyway. Like, what? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> Havoc was, uh, her African queen. <laughs> Let's be honest. Um, but anyway, uh, I think it's gonna do big. I think, I think it's gonna post 55 million in the first weekend. Alright, you're on. We are betting on You this. think it's going to make 55 million total? I'm going to put out 55 million in the first weekend. <laughs> Although one film that's doing strong right now that I need to go see, that I've decided that, you know, critics love it, it's doing really well at the box office, getting great word of mouth, is Kung Fu Panda. The yep. new DreamWorks animated feature with Jack Black and several other people doing the voices. I thought it seemed one note, but apparently it's a really multi-dimensional. Film. Yeah, you yeah. know, I, typically those things either float or sink. You know, if they're not Dream or not Pixar, Pixar, you know, yeah. typically does not put into pr- production something that's gonna sink. You know, all of their films have held up critically and you know, you know, box office wise. Um, as a complete film, whereas DreamWorks, you know, has kind of been hit or miss with Madagascar or Shark Tale, which is kind of almost there, but not quite, you know, Pixar quality. Kind of like the 
knockoff of, of Pixar, I guess. Um, um, getting away from films. My but, but anyway, Kung Fu Panda, I'm going to go check it out. And uh, I wanted to say that this past week, on Monday, yesterday I should say, uh, Lee and I celebrated four years together. Congratulations. Four years, Drew. That's, that's like four years of high school and four years of college. That's, we've graduated as a couple. Nowadays, that's like, uh, that's like 80 years. And like in the new relationship market, compared to you know days of old. Now, now that the uh, the standard has been set with girls, those girls, and those those girls. Four that's gonna years be another chapter. That's gonna be another time. chapter. Like, like relationship and now years or something. Like not like, but like the dog years concept, but with relationships in the in the two thousand. Every year is like twenty years. Yeah, pretty much. A week is like a year <laughs> in a relationship now. So I thought I'd throw that out there. I'm congratulations. So you could man. congratulate me about that. No, it's a really impressive, you know, thing. Like my friend uh, Lance and Melissa, they got married, you know, within your, four. Your friend Lance and Melissa—that's his full name. <laughs> Hello, no, my name is Lance and Melissa. My friends Lance and Melissa—they got married, you know. Like they—they they met, you know. I sort of really. Was <laughs> you know, talking. they got married. Oh. Of they, course, Drew, I knew that. No, they uh, they met their junior year of high school doing a play where they coincidentally were cast as husband and wife and four years later got married. It's it's uh, about January. living up to the roles that you're 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 you've you you've been tagged with. Yeah. So Yeah, no, I, I four years is a hell of a long time. Congratulations, man. Thank you so. We went to the Cheesecake Factory. How was that? It was fun uh, uh, they give yeah. you a good meal. We got in very, we had it right away, which is a first for the cheesecake. Factory. That's a is a first. It was on a Monday, so if you slip them a twenty, like it's all right, it's all right. It's all right. <laughs> They're like, we'll see you right away. I'm like, here's a twenty. <laughs> if you can see this right away. Uh, no, we sat down and uh, we were at a booth, and for some reason they screwed up on the number of the, the number table that we were at. Yeah. So our drinks went to the table next to us. <laughs> it's like, oh no, these aren't our drinks. Oh, then we'll give to this your table, the correct one. Our appetizer went to the table next to us. Our meals went to the table next to us. Thankfully, our desserts came right to... It was weird, though, because our waiter... It sounds like, you know, like when you get your mail set to, like, your neighbor, and then they, like, bring it over to you, like, we we didn't order these. Here you go. These must be yours. They have your name on them. And your address. That's weird. But, uh, yeah, so our waiter, though, was like, when we ordered our our meal, I had the uh, chicken, the... You know, Parmesan crusted chicken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Lee had, you know, uh, pasta. He's like, keeping it simple? All right. <laughs> <laughs> he, was, he was like from the Bronx. He had this very, like, New Yorker attitude to him. And, like, when he came over to take our, our order, he put his arm, like, around my chair, like, and leaned in towards me. Really? <laughs> yeah. I've had one place where that's happened, and it was in Kansas, in Salina, Kansas. It's the only place I've ever had, like, my waiter, besides like gimmicky places, like there's this place called Edibevix, which was like a 50 style diner where yeah. they were known for like their rude or like weird service. Like their waiters were like, <laughs> it was a really weird service. Their waiters were like performers, as, yeah. like on top of being, you know, waiters and waitresses, like took on these 50s personas of like, oh, so what do you want? You know, she came into like our booth and like sat there with us and like had a conversation with us. Like she wasn't working, like she was our friend. And we were like, so where are you guys from? We're like, oh, we're from California. We're just passing through, you know, going to California from Wisconsin. And uh, she's like, oh, that's nice. And just, like, sat down and have a conversation with us. And then then she told a story about how uh, her cousin, their kid, brought a penguin home from the Shedd Aquarium. (laughs) That was a different way. And it was weird because then Jason Lee just briefly pops his head (laughs) into Salina, Kansas. And it was just like, what the hell? That's a, yeah. When you, when a lot of things happen to me in, in, in <laughs> diners or, you know, restaurants, I guess. When you said uh, getting the mail incorrectly, it, it reminded me of uh, my sophomore year of high school when uh, I accidentally received a neighbor's Playboy. And this I, is like a classic coming-of-age story almost. Well, I got the Playboy... <laughs> Unfortunately for me and for all Playboy subscribers, the centerfold that month was WWE wrestler China. <laughs> and if there's anyone, I love how it's like it's like I got a Playboy. This is awesome. And then it's like China. Ugh, I never want to look at a, at, a, at a pornographic magazine ever again. It's like, what if you got a 
porn magazine in the mail, and you're all jazz. You open it up, and it's all transsexual porn. Yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> that's what China is. It's like that's like the worst possible. It's like you know finding out that like someone's gonna give you a million dollars, you know, but there's no catch. But the catch is that they're gonna shoot you right after they give you a million dollars, you know. Um. Here's the problem with China. The, the country? <laughs> yeah, now we're getting political. Now here's the press, the weekly press conference portion. Um, here's the problem with China. Uh, there's a portion of a woman's body which gives them a considerable amount of pleasure. Yeah. Um, usually it's... Their fun zone. It's hard to find. Their fun zone. China happens to have a three-inch edition of it. But when it's three inches, it doesn't look like a part of a woman's body. It looks like something else. And this is in Playboy. It's like hanging down? Essentially. Like sticking out. And, uh, I decided that I, the best thing to do <laughs> would be to take it to school and throw it away in the bathroom. And I wasn't caught or anything, but I just... I was like, oh man, I don't want my parents to find me. So I'll take it to an entirely public place like, where the risk of me cutting, getting caught was, was even greater. Even greater. <laughs> and throw it out. Yes. You like this China porn, son? <laughs> anyway. No. We're gonna, my know, father we're, I'm going to get away from this really fast just because it makes me feel extremely uncomfortable. But that's it's a pretty funny story how it's like this like Out classic, of all the people. Couldn't get a Pan Anderson... Or a, Even a an Anna Electra. Nicole Smith, like back in the day. Even no. fat Anna Nicole Smith would have <laughs> been better than China. Even post-mortem Anna Nicole Smith. You know, morgue shots of Anna Nicole Smith would have been better than that. Not naked, just morgue shots. <laughs> That's the center of like her lying on a bed. A special tribute to Anna Nicole Smith. They've oh. got it's like a pop out where you like pull it out and it's like her laying on the tray you know in one of the like the bed the pull away beds we are classy men <laughs> anyway so I don't know we're winding down here at the end of the show Drew what's your uh, what's your album pick of the week um, stated earlier it'd be Viva La Vida by Coldplay um, I, as I said I just think it's their most complete album yet um, you know X and Y was great and so was Parachutes Parachutes is probably one of my favorite and uh, Rush of Blood to the Head is also fantastic but, um, and I'd say Parachutes is probably one of my favorite all time, but this is, I don't know how this one will hold up. You know, you always got to see how music holds up over time. It's just one of those things is whether the songs, you know, you know, have that re same replay value yeah. or that, that, but it, yeah, I, I'd say right off the bat, my first reaction to it are very, very good. So, uh, my album recommendation is going to be a band, um, that I'm, I'm friends with. The guy was my, uh, he was first my gym teacher and then he was my guidance counselor in high school. And, uh, it's his band, he's the drummer, and it's the sort of thing where even if I didn't know him, they would be one of my favorite bands because they're they're tremendous. They just released their new album, it's called World Opinion is With Us, uh, you can get it off of cdbaby.com, um, and the, the band's name is Heathrow, and uh, they're, they're really, really a good band, and this is their second album, highly recommend it. Drew, what's your uh, rental pick of the week? My rental pick of the week is actually sitting on the table right now. We're about to go watch... Shitting on the table right now. <laughs> it's shitting on the table right now. Drew rented a dog. <laughs> <laughs> I rented Ho Hooch from... Uh, from Turner and Hooch. <laughs> Still alive, amazingly. <laughs> the dog's like 30 years old. Um, but, uh, yeah, the uh, it's the Hot Fuzz... Redisc. It's a movie that's been out. Hot Fuzz, you know, uh, Edgar Wright. And, I'm wearing uh, a Hot Fuzz t-shirt right now. As well, which uh, we actually just went to go pick it up before the show because I remembered it and I said, yeah, let's go get it because I saw seen it and we talked about it. Um, is the Hot Fuzz 3-disc collector's edition with five hours of bonus features. Um, and uh, it's just a great film. The, they're just really fun guys to watch. You know, even hanging out together, you can get you can get the sense that they just really you know enjoy each other's company and really enjoy what they do with each other making movies so uh, um, yeah definitely check that out and check out the special features that um, with you know way more than you got in the American version of the DVD so the original release the original American release yeah. um, I'm going to recommend a uh, little known documentary called uh, 
off the charts, the song poem story. Um, it's about uh, like the 70s and 80s, even some of the 60s, there was a thing where you could, basically you wrote out a poem which was consisted of lyrics and you would send it uh, to a company and they would make a song out of your lyrics. And it was it sort of features some of the hilariously bad songs, songs that but they're, they're done sincerely because these people, they're, they're not going to make a joke it sounds song. Like, it's like, it's like uh, in Mr. Deeds where Adam Sandler's character like writes these greeting cards, you know, in the Mr. Deeds remake where he writes these greeting cards that he thinks are great, but are ultimately terrible, you know. <laughs> but everyone in this town, like, thinks they're great because they're all from this little town, and they all think, you know, that that's the greatest thing they've ever heard. Um, I'm also, if, if you are a fan of DVDs um, and purchase DVDs, uh, recommend deepdiscount.com now through the 22nd. They uh, have a special sale where you can get 20% off. You just punch in Super Sale as the promotion code. Um, I'm not a shill for them. I just I think they're a great website. You get great. We, deals yeah, there. we do not get paid by anyone. So no. everything that we recommend is just simply things that we honestly enjoy or and are or services hoping to get eventually paid by them <laughs> or services. Yeah, <laughs> look at all the pro bono work we've done. Yeah, exactly. Pay up. Pay up. No, or just services that we really think are, are just great deals and great places that you should definitely check out because you know we we have taken advantage of them or we like them. Take it. And if you need uh, New York tickets. Theater tickets, go to broadwaybox.com. Got some great deals there, too. Broadwaybox.com. Uh, hey, uh, we're running out of time, Drew, and, and, I'm, and I'm talking like like I'm on an FM radio show, or an AM radio show. Hey, Drew, uh, sorry to cut you short there, buddy, but uh, we're going to have to get going on uh, Drew and Rick in the morning. <laughs> on Drew and Rick in the morning. Catch us over it. Yeah, I don't know. We're running short on time. I'm going to have to interrupt you there. Uh, I've been Rick Hatchke. I've been Drew Stack. And this has been... The, the Internet's Maximum, Maximum Potential! Potential. Hey, hey, all right. Uh, Easy 93.